Doctor. President-elect of the High Council of Time Lords. I am definitely a madman with a box. Anyone for Jelly, baby? I'm the Doctor. I'm 904 years old. I'm from the planet Gallifrey in the constellation of Castabras. Hey, you fans, welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And welcome to episode 75. Big news this week, buddy. Big news. It's a whopper of a news. Yes. Well, um, yeah, we um, we haven't really been that vocal on it on Twitter and stuff. Mm. Um, purely because I don't think that's the right place to do all that stuff. Yeah. Um, just because it's like little tiny digs and comments and thoughts and you can't really make head or tail of it. So, um, But it's been extremely entertaining watching Twitter over the last week, I must say. Oh, it's been brilliant. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's one of those things where it's like handing the Twitterverse a live hand grenade <laughs> and then running away and watching the fireworks. That's been great. I just yeah. love it. Just, oh, fandom has exploded, hasn't it? Literally. It has, yes. Yeah. So I hope you guys have had a cracking, fantastic week. We've been uh, diving back into Modern Who this week, haven't we? Checking out mm. some of the some of the uh, Ecclestonisms. Yeah, yeah, it's great to see see a bit of more of Chris. Actually, it has been. I must admit, mm. Mm. miss old Chris. Yeah, yeah, yep. I do. Did you ever see that thing I was talking about of him? Bit where where he was doing the classical thing as the Doctor, because someone else posted it on Facebook the other day, and they said the same thing. He was definitely channeling the Ninth Doctor. Oh no, I haven't seen it actually. Uh, no, I will. I will do though, because it sounds. So is is that the video where he was completely unrelated to Doctor Who, but he was just very much in? You could see there was that bit of character coming through. Was it? Yes, yeah, the way he was dressed and everything, and the way he was acting it, and it was something on over Christmas um, to do with classical music. Um, I remember what it was called but yeah it was yeah it's just interesting to see him being so ninth doctor like after all this time yeah okay mm. hmm, cool old chrissy old chris yeah so yes we will be getting on to the big news mm. and stuff uh, in a little while after a couple of other cool little news bits yeah firstly though my good fellow how you been this week been up to anything cool doctor who wise i've been really good yes yeah i was up in central london on sunday and i I nipped around a few little shops very quickly. Uh, I didn't have, we, uh, we were actually going for a meal, so I didn't have time to do the usual haunts that me and you go to, like Forbidden Planet and all that. But, um, <laughs> the stomping it was, yeah, it was, grounds. It was, it was torture for me because I was so close to all of them. But um, yeah, I got to do a bit of window shopping. Um, but yeah, no, apart from that, not too much. But I did watch the real exotic Marigold Hotel thing the other night with oh. Sylvester McCoy. Oh, and man, all his... I missed it. Oh, you didn't? Yeah. Oh no! It's really you've got to get it on iPlayer because it's really good. It's really interesting. Oh, man, I really wanted to see that as well. Um, there was a few people popped up on Twitter to say they absolutely loved watching Sylve in that. Yeah, and he was really the, good. Yeah, apparently the program's very good. Anyway, overall, it was because they've got a really good bunch of characters. And um, for anyone that that doesn't know, um, it's, it's basically a program on BBC Two, Sylvester McCoy, and a group of other sort of celebrities. I guess, um, what would you call them? They're in their golden years? 
Yeah, that's a polite way of saying <laughs> yeah. OAPs, basically. OAPs, yeah. yeah. They've gone out to India to see if it might be um, somewhere that they would consider to retire. We talked about it on last week's show, didn't we? Yes. Um, yeah, it was really, really good. I mean, they've, as I said, they've got a great bunch of characters. You've got Wayne Sleep. Um, who's the big late? Marion Margulis. Margulis, yeah. Yep. Very, yep. very, um, very, very forthright in her views and stuff um but it was great and india i mean i've never been to india but it looks like an incredible place uh it's just mad i mean you know <laughs> when they get in these little trucks and the, the, the you know the, the traffic just doesn't stop it looked quite a sort of scary place but everyone's so seems so polite and calm mm-hmm. and they were doing all these sort of exercises in the garden where they were sort of have to poke their tongue out and scream and silver's <laughs> really getting into that and um yeah it was just fantastic they were just saying it. it's just such a a spiritual like place you know even if you're not spiritual you just sort of feel something different when you're there because it's just such an amazing place and of course at the end because they're all entertainers um they all did their own little bits of camera and Sylv got his spoons out of course which oh, i was waiting yeah. for yes um, and uh, one of them's a chef so she was cooking for them all and wayne sleep he's like a ballet dancer isn't he is it ballet mm. Uh, dancing yeah uh, so he did a bit of tap dancing and yeah so they all did their own little party piece at the end for all the sort of um people that had been working with them in the place and i think it's a three-part series so um obviously it continues again next week it's really worth watching it was really good fun oh i'm bummed that i missed that you know because when we spoke about it on the show I was, the, the idea of it and watching sylv just being completely bonkers around these other people. <laughs> yeah. It seems really funny. So yeah, so that's gonna be a that's a BBC thing, isn't it? It's on yeah, it's on BBC two at the minute and um I assume, you know, there are other places you can you can find it. As I say, it'll be on the iPlayer by now. Um Yeah, cool. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely worth catching up on. It it was good fun. Yeah. Oh nice one. Yeah. Good stuff. Um up to anything else? Was that, no, mate, no, that's that's it. Uh, I've had a very sort of a busy work week, but not anything, not any fun. It's been all work and no play, really, mm. apart from that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's been the highlight of my week, really, uh, television-wise. Sure. Yeah. What have you been yeah. up to, mate? Um, what have been up to? Not a lot, really, buddy. Um, other than watching uh, Dalek mm-hmm. a couple of times, which I've really, really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, I did actually, I was, um, my Sky Plus planner was... Um, was pretty much full up. So I was going back through and deleting a load of stuff out of there and I went back to the uh, first page and I kept the um, the Doctor Who proms. Oh, right. That was on like three years ago. I think it's been in the Skybox for like three years now. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I've only watched it once, I think, because um, that was the one that I went to. And I watched it when they, they didn't put it on TV for like months later. And I remember uh, recording it and watching it once then. And I stuck it on the other day. And um, I really hope they do another one of those. I would hope. Yeah, I'd love it. I really hope so, because um, it was such a fab night. And uh, I, I managed to pause it just at the bit where I was on the telly. Oh, really? You're on it, are you? Which was sweet. I mean, you can't really miss me, because um, yeah. I'm wearing this... I don't know why, but I'm wearing this really insanely bright pink Ralph Lauren polo top. <laughs> and it stands out like any no one's business because it just as a matter of coincidence everybody like that sat around me in that part of the audience was wearing yeah. like black or dark brown or dark blue or whatever yeah um so i'm there in this bright pink top and um so but you yeah, really stand out yeah but the um the atmosphere was superb at that night i remember it so vividly and um yeah i hope they do another proms 
a Doctor Who one anyway, because I know it breaks the internet and the booking system just goes nuts. Mm. But if you can get tickets, it's really worth going to. If they do it again, it's uh, superb. So, um, yeah, so watch that. Brought back some memories. That was cool. Um, and other than that, not much, mate. You'll have to send me the time codes so that when I can watch it, I know exactly where to pause to see you. Of course. Yeah. 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 That's cool. I do that on the, um, what's the, the, the one of the other prompts? Because I, I couldn't go to that one. I went to one, I think it was either the year before or maybe even the year before that. It was the one that Karen and Matt Smith hosted. Oh, yeah. That, that was and the year, two years before that. Two years before. Yeah. And it's on one of the um, DVDs. Uh, I think it's A Christmas Carol. Yes. And there's a bit on there where <laughs> it's really sad. But I do pause it because you can clearly see me and my partner sat in the aisle and I'm taking a picture of a, a Jadoon walking down the stairs and you get, you clearly see me for about one second. All right, yeah. It's long enough. And uh, yeah, so I do the same. I like every time I'm watching, I think, you know what, I'm coming, I'm coming up in a minute and yeah. I'm going to pause it. <laughs> and the sad yeah. thing is every time I do pause it, the, the only thing that goes through my head is, Oh, I can't fit into that shirt I'm wearing anymore. <laughs> like wearing this jagged shirt. And I'm like, oh, that used to be my favorite shirt. Oh. Yeah, and it no longer fits, but yeah, they are great. And um, obviously, with the news coming up, they're going to chat about with this the long break um, that we're going to have before we get any new who. Mm-hmm. I, I just would love some of these yeah things to be announced to fill in that time because I was thinking this the other day. Even if they did another convention, I might be tempted to go now just to have something who related to look forward to. So I, I would love it if they did some proms and things like that. Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah, it'd be awesome because there's a couple of cool pieces of new um, new music to stick in from Capaldi's era. Mm, yes it would work really well yeah yeah as well as and it does sound so immense when it's like blaring out from a stage as well it's it's really oh, really yeah. good stuff live isn't it yeah it's awesome and uh this one that i'm that i'm talking about i think it was 2013 i think it was or 20 yeah 2013 i think it was mm. and it was the prom where they had the classic radiophonic workshop guys Oh yeah. Who did the the classic theme and some bits from classic coups. They did a bit from um Caves of Androzani and Seeds of Doom and some really cool little classic pieces of music like um, mm. uh, an unearthly child and some really cool classic bits that just yeah, it, it's just it's one thing listening to it on C D or Spotify, but when you're there at the Albert Hall and it's right in your face and oh, chills. I love it. Who, so, who hosted that one? Who was the person doing it? That was um, Matt Smith and Jenna Jenna Coleman. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And it also had Strax and Vastra, those guys. Uh, oh. So Dan Starkey, and I forget the actress's name who played Vastra, but um, yeah. it also had Peter Davison and Carol Ann Ford. Oh, that's it. Yeah, I do remember now. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, they're really good. Yeah, very, very cool. So, um, it's a bit bummed that they, they put the edited version out. They put it down to... I think it was an hour long or 45 minutes on the tv and they missed out some really cool pieces of music in the tv edit but um yeah still most, cool most surprisingly i remember they missed out because murray gold did a specially um composed piece for the 50th or whatever didn't he that was or it. something i can't remember he did a specially composed piece for that one he did yeah and they cut it out yeah <laughs> and i remember thinking oh that's that's an odd choice of thing to cut because obviously i don't it's no i don't think it's ever been released i can't remember what it was for now yeah um, it yeah it's really odd that they did they didn't include it yeah it's really odd um and they also cut out this really cool piece called the companion suite where they basically just played all of the uh from uh rose um they just played all of the companion suites 
one after the other. I think there's like five or six different pieces of music they they played, mm. and uh, that was really good. That as well, and the audience was going nuts as well. So every time the music changed, especially when when Rose's theme was on, yeah, people going nuts, and then when Donna's theme came on, the place just erupted, and it was really good. So I'm surprised they cut that as well, but. I remember that from the one we went to at Wembley. Yes, um, they did the they, same. they played it there, didn't they? Because mm-hmm. I remember Donna getting an amazing yeah. uh, response. Because I, I think I said to you at the time, God, I wonder if Catherine Tate knows how how much, you know, the, the, there is such a big quarter of fandom that really loves Donna's character. Yeah. I know there's some that don't. There's always going to be, you know, two sides to it. But, yeah, she really gets a big cheer when they do that piece. Yeah. yeah. She's very popular. And I'm one of the ones that love her. Yeah, I love Donna. Yeah. Dr. Donna. Dr. Donna. Right. Should we do the news? Yeah, let's get into it. Time to talk about it. Let's land it and let's do it. That Mr. Capaldi, he's a busy chap. He's a busy chap, yeah. He's found time to have a haircut and grow a beard in the yes. space of a week. Yeah. yeah. So the doctor himself, Mr. Capaldi, has been on um, a bit of a uh, 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 research in sort of good gestury, um, humanitarian trip, I would say. Um, so he's taken time out of his, of his schedule. And I, I know that there's, they're not actively filming any who. Um, at the moment but he's still a busy chap because he's doing other stuff Mm. as well as who but um yeah this is really cool so he's he's gone over to jordan um yeah in syria to visit some of the refugee camps over there um and there's some really good photos and a couple of videos for um uh for his his travels there and he's i don't know if you've seen um the video that, that went with it Yes, I did. I watched it yesterday, yeah. Yeah, and one of the pictures and stuff. So um, he's done it um, for the United Nations. I can't remember how what the other letters stand for, the UNHCR. Um, as basically to try and get some exposure onto what's happening to these refugees over in Syria. Mm. Um, and it, I, the thing that I like about this, and the reason why we're mentioning it is because it's not done... It's not done at around the same time that some of the celebrities do this stuff around comic relief or, yeah, you know, that stuff. It's just completely, you know, unrelated to all that stuff. It's just him trying to make a little bit of a difference, I suppose, and get some exposure into what's happening, which is fairly dreadful. If you watch the videos or, mm. um, or anything like that, you can see that it's clearly affecting him as well. Yes. He's very, yeah. he's, he's quite emotional about it. And, um, and I really like this about Peter Capaldi because... It's not like he's contractually obliged to go and do it. It's not like, you know, and he's, he's been absolutely just completely stacked, hasn't he, the last year or so doing Doctor Who. Yeah. And I know if it was me <laughs> just finishing doing all that Doctor Who stuff, I'd have been like, right, I'm taking a few months off. If you yeah. if you want to find me, I'll be on the sofa or in bed. <laughs> um, so I think it's very, very cool that uh, he's... He's out and about doing this stuff. Um, and it's a really good cause as well. So, um, yeah, 
huge props to Mr. Capaldi for being out there. And we'll, we'll stick a, a link to this article in the video in the show notes so you can check it out. It's, uh, it's worth watching. Oh, it definitely is. It's a really good little video, actually. As I say, I watched it yesterday and obviously he's narrating over it. And it, it's, yeah, it's very heartfelt and it's, it's yeah, it's really, really worth watching. Yeah. It is indeed. So well done, Capaldi. Capaldi. Good old good Capaldi. Stuff. Yeah. Right. In other news, I love I love this bit of news. Um, <laughs> there's a there's a Kickstarter project um, that's just been launched, and it's basically to help recreate. I don't know if you remember this. It, it, probably not. But in the 1990s, there was a Doctor Who pinball table. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's um, yeah. I mean, it was. It's got such a nostalgic, quirky charm about it. And uh, basically, what this project is aiming to do is to get that pinball table sort of um done in digital form so they basically want to bring it back but you know have it as like a uh, in a in a digital format um yeah so it's far right studios are looking to uh basically add the famous it was 1992 doctor who pinball table to their successful pinball arcade game um and they've got a raise i mean it's quite a bit they've got to get but it's fifty thousand pounds or seventy-two thousand uh, dollars is what they're aiming to get that's just to secure the um, license for uh, for a Doctor Who game, yes. which I find that quite interesting. So now we know if ever we want to do a a Doctor Who game in the future, Gary, we've yeah. got to just raise fifty thousand pounds just to secure the rights. Yeah, it's fifty fifty four thousand dollars all in all. Oh, is it? All oh, right, okay. I thought it was yeah, um, and they've raised twenty three thousand so far. Right, oh, so, so they're off to a good start then. So nearly halfway there already, and there's um, two weeks left to go, sixteen days. So. Um, yeah, that's interesting, you know, because when I when I first looked at this, I thought, how expensive can it be? Yeah, to, you know, because when I watched um, before I watched this video on their Kickstarter page, I thought, how hard can it be just to, you know, make a video game of of a pinball machine? Um, and what I didn't know um, after watching the video was, like you say, it's all down to the licensing rights. So they need to get three three lots of different licensing okayed so they need to get one from the makers of the original pinball machine yes which i think is an american company called mary or berry uh well williams slash bally bally oh bally sorry yeah then they need to get um the licensing done with the bbc for the doctor who brand and stuff in general but then they also need to get likeness rights because on the back part of the pinball machine where they've got like the little digital display mm. um the faces of each actor who played the doctor appear on there yeah so they need to get likeness rights as well for each of those actors <laughs> it's not e- easy task is it yeah so that's the thing um but this does look awesome though if you watch the if you, again we'll put a link to this um so you can see it but the original pinball machine the original the actual physical pinball machine they've actually got in their in their office mm. so they've acquired it and it's rocking, and it does that. I must say, it looks beautiful. I don't know if you guys are into old school retro pinball machines, but this does look the Doctor Who one looks fantastic. So they've got it there; it's all ready to go. They just need to raise a m- bit more money to do the last bit of, of of dev work on it, and also this licensing stuff. So they've um, got to break it down because I was reading in this in this thing about it that they, that actual pinball machine they've got to sort of deconstruct it and take um, like high def pictures of all the you know, all the components so that they can recreate them in digital form and everything. And if anyone's sort of not sure and thinking, what is this pinball game? I, I think this picture is quite iconic and no doubt you would have seen it 
out there somewhere, even if even if you didn't realise it was part of this pinball game, because it's one of those it's one of those covers, isn't it? That tends to sort of float around on the internet quite a bit. Yeah, because it's such an iconic um, thing with all the doctors, and you've got Davros at the top and Daleks and stuff, and. It's just something about it that's really nostalgic. I would love to see this happen. Yeah, it's very... And they do... Um, and it's not that much either. If you want to... Um, if you do want to make a pledge to it... Uh, and I imagine that playing this would be very cool as well because yeah. it's got all the original sound effects and all that stuff. Um, and the entry-level pledge is only $7, which I think is a fiver, roughly. Right. For about five quid. And if you pledge that, um, as long as the project obviously goes to 100% and it gets done, then you get to... Um, then you get to have this Doctor Who game on a platform platform of your choice, whether that's on a computer or a console or something. So, I'm just looking at the picture of Peter because I was just trying to work out who that was. He's got really long hair on this on the graphic, isn't it? Is that Peter Davison? That picture? I think so. Yeah, because you can see the cricket <laughs> jumper and. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But nice. it's 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 retro. It's retro beauty. It really okay. is. Yeah, it would be it would be just awesome to have it in digital form. I would I would love it. Yeah, it'll be cool. Yeah. Um right. Uh that's gonna do it for like standard news. Mm. Uh we've got some big stuff to talk about. Big, big news, yeah. Yeah. Um right, so you don't need us to tell you. Um that it was announced by the Beeb um earlier this week. Was it last week or earlier this week? I was trying to think this morning because it seems already seems like quite a while ago, but it was it was on Monday night, wasn't it? Uh, was it last week? I've totally lost track. Yeah, I think I, can't, I honestly can't remember the day it went out, but um, yeah, Stephen Moffat is is off. He's off, and I love his quote that he says he's he's being thrown in a skip, and uh, and a new guy's <laughs> taken. I just loved that. Thrown I just, in a, I'm basically being thrown in a skip. And uh, someone else has taken over, he said, didn't he? Or something something to that uh, effect. That's right, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. that person is Chris Chibnall. Mr. Chibnall. Mr. Chibnall, yeah. Which was, um, yeah, a bit of a, no, well, yeah, a bit of a surprise, I would say. It's strange, isn't it? Because it, we all knew this was coming. Hmm. But yeah, when, when I was sat there, whatever night it was that we can't remember now, it still was a shock. And I'm sure you were the same. I was sat there and I was like, oh my God. Because it was sort of, although it was Radio Times that actually broke the news, wasn't it? So a lot of people were like, well, I'm not, no, until the BBC confirm it, I'm not believing it. And then about half an hour later, yeah. the BBC finally <laughs> confirmed it. I was thinking, well, you know, shouldn't they be doing this? Anyway, um, so yeah, we knew it was coming, but it still was quite surprising, wasn't it? I mean, like we said earlier, the whole sort of... Um, Social media just exploded. Yeah. And it was quite late, wasn't it? Was it about half nine, ten o'clock our time? Something like that. Something yeah. like that. So, yeah. yeah, but it was, yeah, it was still quite shocking news, even though we knew that this day was going to come. And I think yeah. maybe because it was Chibnall that was announced as the replacement, we were all a bit like, because I, I suppose he was always one of the ones in the running, but I still was a little bit surprised he was the choice. Yeah, I was as well, purely because um, he hasn't been involved in uh, mainstream who um, for a while I mean it's one thing to say that um, that he's a massive Doctor Who fan yeah you know because I think a lot of the people who have been involved in the show are fans anyway Um, but I think there was so much lean towards um, uh, other people who had been involved a bit more heavily and directly with the show 
mm. um, who were who I think people were expecting it to be. Um, but well, sh- sorry, I was going to say, well, Gatiss always gets banded around, doesn't it? That you know, yeah. always. Toby Whithouse was was one that people. I think a lot of people would have liked, actually. Um, but yeah. he often gets put in that category as well. Yeah, I was going to say Mark Gattis. He's one that, that constantly gets banded around. Mm. Um, yeah, so people like that who have had a bit more involvement, you know, with mainstream who. Um, so I was a bit surprised at Chibnall. Um, and I, do you know what? I can't really... It's, it's, it's very difficult to, to either get too excited or too, you know, uh, too down about it because... He, he, he's one of those guys where we haven't really seen enough of him, mm. you know, to really gauge a proper opinion on it yet. Because um, if we look at what he's done so far for who, I think, and you might have to look this up, but he did um, Power Three. Oh yeah, he sorry. Did the, of course, um, yeah. What's yep. the, the Zygon? Not Zygon. Sorry, the Cold Blood and Hungry Earth. Yeah. Pond, and uh, dinosaurs on a spaceship. Dinosaurs on a spaceship, because yeah, that was the one that immediately s- sprung to mind, which wasn't great, because I remember thinking, oh, no, he's the guy who did Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. But, um, yeah, a, a bit of a... Those stories are a bit... There's nothing wrong with them. I mean, Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, I think, is a little bit... Probably one of the worst <laughs> out of the ones we've just mentioned. But, like, 42, Power 3... And and the Silurian one—that's what I was trying to think. Yeah, they're—I wouldn't say they're—they're they're, they're stories that I think are okay, but they're not ones that I that stand out to me. I guess what I'm trying to say is his stories that I'm—we've mentioned are all a bit meh to me. Mm. You know what I mean? They're just okay. They're not stories that I think ah oh, that. It, there's not one story there where I think now nah, I really like that one. Mm-hmm. So if he does one like that. You know what I mean? So there's, that's the only thing that worries me. They're all just a bit middle of the road in terms of story for me, which um, is slightly worrying. But then being a showrunner, I guess, is a totally different ball game. I mean, look at Stephen Moffat. When he was under RTD's reign, his stories were phenomenal. I mean, The Empty Child, Dr. Dances is still one of my favourites. Um, you've got Silence in the Library, which is just a fantastic two-part. Brilliant, yep. Yeah, um, you know, his stories, and then when he took over Showrunner, we sort of got a very different feel, I think. Yeah, So maybe it's going to be the know. reverse then. For Well, that's for what I'm Chibnall. hoping. That's that's what I'm hoping, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, and also, um, he has done some, some other great uh, TV things. Let's not forget, he was really heavily involved with, with Torchwood. He was basically the, the Torchwood guy. Yes. Um, you know, for for all that stuff so he you know he's definitely been sort of in the in the scene if you like um we just haven't really seen much of him um in terms of like being on extras for things or many Mm. interviews or all that kind of stuff so um so yeah i think the thing that maybe swayed swayed the beeb into plopping him into this position was probably broadchurch I think that, yeah. Because that just, I mean, in terms of critically being a success, that just skyrocketed out of mm. nowhere, really. Um, and also featuring David Tennant and all that. So I, I think if that hadn't have happened, maybe not, because I think, I think maybe the Beeb were looking for somebody that has got a real kind of weight to their writing that's, you know, in terms of... Um, of being the show, not just a normal episode writer, but especially being showrunner, 
they need somebody who's really got a, a critically acclaimed, you know, trophy on the shelf, if you like. Mm. And that does give me hope, actually, because bro- although I don't watch Broadchurch, I know that it's, it, it's you know, it's very, like you said, critically acclaimed and lots of people like it. You know, I hear yeah. lots of people telling me I should watch it and stuff. So, I, you know, I understand it's uh, obviously well written. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 yeah, Chibnall, I don't know, not not the obvious choice, but an interesting choice. I think, it, it, yeah, it could be good. Um, he is also the person, though, that gave us the cyber woman which a lot of people don't like in torchwood yeah yep. um I, it's so long since i've watched that i can't even remember i don't remember uh, having anything against it but i remember a lot of people hated that um but yeah he did do quite a bit on torchwood so that's good and he's a fan like he's a fan of the show which which can work two ways can't it i mean it can be a good thing but it can also be a hindrance you know yeah he, well he's a very big fan because i think he he was or he still is um a member of the the Doctor Who Appreciation Society. Oh, is he still right? Okay, yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know if he still is, but he certainly mm. was um, before his career um, got very, very popular. So um, he was um, he he was on a discussion program for the BBC. Oh uh, yes, back in eighty six. Yeah. Um, Giving Pip and Jane Baker a hard time. Wasn't he was. He? Yeah, he was criticising the quality mm. of mm. the show at the time quite heavily, and actually. Um, yeah. So, yeah. When we say he's a fan, he definitely is a fan. You know that you can't you can't get away from that. And this also might be a cool thing for him to do in terms of his career with the Beeb because they have snatched something away from him before. You know the um, uh, the, the the show Merlin. Oh that, yeah. That was very very popular. He was actually in charge of getting that off the ground. They gave him showrunner. Um, responsibility for that but canned it so we did all of that work and then at the at the 11th hour they pulled the plug um but then it came out a couple of years later without him involved at all oh i didn't know that okay it's interesting so the beeb of um have have given him a little bit of hope before and then and then pulled him right so this might be a little bit of a revenge gig for him (laughs) as well which 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 uh which could be interesting but um, so overall, Chibnall, um, it, it's quite difficult to form an opinion on what's going to come out of his mm. of his era at the moment, purely because, um, yes, he's done a lot of Torchwood and he's done a handful of Doctor Who episodes, but he's not really been one of those people that's, it's kind of hard to explain. You know, like Mark Gatiss has, has been a very good ambassador for the show. Mm. Um, he's always involved in something to do with Doctor Who and goes to conferences and convention stories and, and does all that stuff. Chibnall's not really done that, to my knowledge anyway, as, as much. I, I'm with you. Yeah, I know what you mean. He's, he's a bit more in the background. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you. we don't really know too much about him mm. and his thoughts and views. I mean, they'll be kept closely under wraps at the moment anyway. We won't, I don't think we'll, we'll know what's coming from him for a while. A lot of people are just assuming that it's going to go more back to the RTD era, aren't they? And I, I'm not sure why they think that. Yeah, I'm not sure why. Um, I suppose because Moffat had a very, dis, you know, he had his very distinctive, if you like, way of doing stuff, if you like, with yes. all the arcs and, and the way his writing and stuff. So I'm assuming that they just think because Chibnall's, you know, more... I, I think they think he's going to be a more straightforward storytelling type writer i assume um but what's weird is we're not actually going to get to find out till 2018 yeah which um yeah. 
which kind of scares me a bit because it makes me it makes me sort of wish my life away, which I don't want to do because it's a bit like the other bit of news, which is that we're not getting any Doctor Who this year until Christmas. You know, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. It kind of makes me. I keep thinking, right? I'm already looking forward to Christmas, and then it'll be the last series with Stephen Moffat and I'm really looking forward to all that but it makes me wish my life away because I'm already wanting to be at that point and <laughs> I don't know about you but I, I I kind of it's such a mixed bag of news this that I kind of feel like um it's I, I do think the show perhaps needs a bit of breathing space so I kind of think the 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 fact it's been you know that we won't get any this year might be a good thing I think it perhaps does need a bit of a break right. um, in that term. Um, but I like the fact that obviously we've got all this confirmed for the next couple of years or whatever. So we know it's not, you know, it's not a hiatus. It's not being pushed into the back cupboard, you know, not to be talked about. There's stuff going on. It's all going to be happening. Um, but there's going to be a bit of breathing space. So I quite kind of like that. But uh, but yeah, it does slightly worry me. I keep thinking 2018 just sounds so far away. And it's like the fact that, Stephen Moffat is doing another series as well is is again a bit of a mixed bag for me because it feels like he was pretty we've spoke about this before pretty sure he was going after the husband's river song yeah and it sounds almost like for whatever reason and I'm assuming this is to do with Chibnall writing a third series of um, Broadchurch is it yeah for whatever reason he's been talked into doing another series of Doctor Who and I I guess that's just until Chibnall's free to take over. So, you know, the timing hasn't worked out from, from that point of view. But it's also mm. um but it's also brought in a few factors which I think are quite quite good. So but I I don't know, what can we expect from Stephen Moffat then? So he's gonna be basically doing a whole series that he hadn't really planned on doing. Is he gonna have it is he gonna have the enthusiasm or is he just gonna kind of play it by numbers and write I'm done? Wow. Do you know what I mean? What yeah. what can we expect from the Moff next year? Or is he gonna really ramp it up because yeah, I mean, he thought Husbands of River Song was going to be his last episode. And for me, it was dire. I mean, if that was going to be my, you know, is he going to pull out all the stops next, you know, next year is what I'm saying. Yeah, Roger. Um Yeah, the Husbands of River Song wouldn't be the best story to go out on. I don't think so. Um, now, I, I think he's still got a lot left in him, don't you? I, I do. And, and this is what I've been thinking about the last couple of days. Um, do you remember way back when we reviewed Survival? Yeah. And I said at the time that it I think it annoyed I think it annoyed a lot of fans and probably still does that the show was was cancelled back then. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying that my personal feeling was that it was a good thing. Yeah. Because the show at that time had just got away from itself a little bit. Um and it needed it I I think it really needed to to stop then. Mm. take a breather um and, and come back at a later time to you know refreshed and and all that stuff now if if this would have happened um at the end of series eight then i probably would have had the same kind of feelings because for me or although i love capaldi as a doctor and i think mm. um i think his first series was really really good for him i think the i think Series eight had more mediocre episodes than it did amazing ones. Mm. However, I really feel that both Moffat and Capaldi stepped up their games massively for series nine. Yeah. Um, and I really enjoyed series nine a lot more. 
than than I did Series Eight. Um, so it, I I feel in two minds about it. Really, I do feel like the whole Moffat era is ready to go. Mm. I do honestly feel that it's it it definitely is time for a change, and it is time for for somebody else to take the reins and and take it somewhere new. But I'm also interested to see what Moffat can do for Series Ten. Yeah, because I do feel like he he has upped his game, and some of the stuff that he I mean, not all of it was was good, um, but certainly I thought that Series Nine started to ramp up and and had some cracking episodes, and mm. Capaldi really found his feet, and it, his performances just went you know from up and up and up. So, you know, one what's like I said, one half of me is like, yeah, it's time to to finish the whole Moffat era and time to, you know, to close it down and all that. But another part of me is like, uh, kind of intrigued as to what the Moff's going to do now. Mm. Um, so it's a bit of a strange situation. A thing that, and the thing that's worrying more than anything is the, the big breaks in between. Yeah. Um, so just to recap then, we're going to have no Doctor Who this year apart from the Christmas special. Mm. So there's no Doctor Who at all. And then in 2017... At some point, we're going to have series 10, which is Moffat's last series for Who. Yeah. And then in 2018, we're going to have the first series from Chibnall. Yes. So really, it's just the case of getting this year out the way. Like you said, wishing your life away a I little know, bit. I know, yeah. <laughs> just going into hibernation for a bit until the Christmas special. But it's worrying that we're not going to have any Who for a year. Um. But they're going to be filming it this year, aren't they? So it's going to be yeah. interesting because we're going to be seeing lots of pictures, you know, stuff's bound to be leaked. So it's going to be really, again, it's, and time does go quick. I'm thinking about when we were talking about Series 9, how quickly that came around. Yeah. So, yeah, it, but it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a torturous wait. Hmm. The thing is, I, I just going back to the moth just for a second, I, I, love, I love Peter Capaldi as the Doctor. I really, really do like him. I do think there are times, though, and perhaps more in Series 9 than 8, surprisingly, where the moth has written him a bit, I don't know, uneven. Yes. Um, I would really like to see both the moth and Capaldi settle down a little bit in their roles, if that makes sense. Because I just think a little bit with, like with Matt Smith, I think there is so much potential with Peter Capaldi's Doctor that I don't think the Moffat has tapped into that mm -hmm. completely yet. So... I'm hoping he does that in series 10. I hope he really, you know, sort of really taps into Capaldi's potential because he, he is a great doctor, but a bit yeah. like Matt Smith, he doesn't get, always get the material that he should, you know, that, that's good enough. So I'm hoping that, yeah, some of that comes through a bit more in series 10. Yes. Um, the other big question is, will Capaldi leave with them off? Will, will Chibnall start fresh with a new doctor? Um, Yes, that's the other that's the other big thing that's been doing the rounds as well. Is mm -hmm. are they going to do what RTD did with that transition where it isn't just somebody new coming on? It's going to be a complete change where you know the lead actor goes along with the showrunner and some other people. So that's another thing that's quite up in the air as well. Is you know will, will Capaldi stay on for at least at least a series with Chibnall? Or is it going to be a complete new... Because the, RT, the RTD era, when that finished, um, it was very, very, um, very jarring to me um, when Tennant left and RTD left and Julie Gardner and those people left. Mm. 
And then mm. when the Smith era started, um, it was almost like um, it was almost like they didn't really think about any continuity from the past few years, right, um, yeah. which I can understand from a certain perspective. It, I think it was it was like um, you know let let's almost relaunch the show. You know, let's not concentrate on anything that's happened in the last few years. Let's just have, you know, a new doctor, you know, new showrunner, new theme, new music, new, you know, everything new and take it in a different direction. Mm. But I found that quite jarring. And that's the one thing that really does my head in about the first couple of se uh, series for Moffat is that he doesn't reference anything from the RTD era. Mm. You know, there's no continuity. There's no, I mean, there is the, the odd little reference, but there isn't enough for me. So, my preference would be for Capaldi to stay on for at least one series with Chibnall. Yeah. Um, just so it's like a nice transition-y period and then possibly look at a Doctor then if he wants to go. But it is interesting that, you know, once all the fanfare had finished about Moffat and Chibnall, that they then went on to, to Capaldi because it is a logical, in terms of like business decisions by the BBC, it is a logical step for Capaldi to go with Moffat, mm. even though he hasn't been around for long. I mean, what's the average number of series that a Doctor does? Is it three? Three to four, isn't it, three really? Three to four. So yeah. it wouldn't be out of character for that role to change at that time anyway. And we've got to think of time-wise as well. I mean, is Peter Capaldi going to still want to be doing Doctor Who, which, let's face it, takes up pretty much the whole year in, in terms of filming and everything promotion and yeah is he yeah. is he still going to be wanting to do that in another two would it be two years time or yeah, years two time? years time two years. Yep. yeah is he still going to be wanting to do that or is he going to be wanting to move on and do other things you know I, I would love to see Capaldi stay on like you um for another year with Chibnall and then move on but I really can't see it happening I mm. really think time wise and and I think all the other factors as well Chibnall taking over I think he's going to want to Fresh, a bit like you said, fresh start. He's going to want his own doctor. We're going to have a new companion by then. Yep, true. So they will have yep. done a whole series. Will they be staying on? You know, it, it, I, I just can't see Capaldi staying on no, for no. longer. But I, I would like him to. Um, I, I also get the feeling that, and this is, I've got nothing to back this up. It is just a feeling. But I, I think that perhaps the BBC would like to see a new doctor come in at that point to, to rejuvenate the show in their eyes. Because, you know, we... We all know that the ratings have dropped and there is no doubt that there is a certain demographic out there that have, have abandoned the show. You know, we can't gloss over that. There are There is yeah. a portion of, of fandom that have, have dropped off um, because they don't take to, well, lots of reasons. They don't take to an older doctor. Um, they don't think the storylines are as good. There's, you know, there's lots of reasons, but there is no denying that, that there is a certain quarter of fandom that's dropped off. And I think the BBC really are hoping that when Chibnall and perhaps Series 10 launches, that you know that they get some of that back. Yes. You know? yep. And I think that probably in their eyes, and as I say, I've got nothing to back this up, I'm just assuming, I think in their eyes that, that includes having a new, probably younger Doctor, you yep. know, which is, yeah, I can, I can understand as much as I absolutely love Capaldi as a Doctor. Yeah. I can, I can sort of see that from, from their point of view, if you like. Yeah. And I, as we're talking about it, and as I'm thinking about it more as listening to you as well, I'd like to... Just re rethink what I so probably not then for Capaldi to do an entire series in Chibnall's, you know, the start of his era. Mm. But what I'd really like to see is maybe not is something different with the regeneration then. So not like your 
typical, you know, paint by numbers thing where at the end of Moffat's era, if Peter Capaldi is going or is going to go as along with him, mm. instead of him regenerating into a new doctor right at the very end, and then we wait for a half a year and then we get a new series that kicks off with a new doctor, maybe leave it up in the air for a little bit. So have Capaldi run right to the end and then he's in the first episode of the new series and that's his regeneration into a new doctor. Mm, that'd be interesting. Almost like they did with the movie, you know, with yeah. Sylve into uh, McGann. Yeah, yeah. So that would be quite quite a good quite a good thing. Um but yeah, I mean just let's also not forget though. I I know a lot of people are very very happy um that Moffat's going. Mm. But let's not forget though. There have been some good stuff to come out of his era. Oh, absolutely. You know, because yeah. I think he's come under a lot of bashing and a lot of stick over the years. But let's not forget that for the last, how, I mean, how long has he been involved with who now? Has it been, what, the last four years, five years? Five years, yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of pressure for, for one person to be under, mm. you know, and a, a lot to get done and a lot to do. And I've seen, I've seen like some YouTube videos and some, some Twitter things where people have been like yes i'm absolutely overjoyed and this is amazing news that moffat is going to be buggering off and all the rest of it yeah. you know that's a you know if it wasn't for for moffat let's be honest um we wouldn't have had we wouldn't have had some of the very cool doctor who stuff to come out the last few years so although it's although it's a good thing overall for doctor who that he's going because it is time for a change let's not bash the guy too much because he has worked his socks off, yeah. You know, for Doctor Who and the BBC. And while we haven't agreed too much with his storyline sometimes, and you know all those Moffatisms, where one little tiny story thing will last for three years and all that stuff, um, <laughs> you know, let's not forget. You know, there has been some great Doctor Who the last few years. So yeah. let's not bash him too hard. He has done a good job. And Chris Chibnall's got this all to come, hasn't he? I think, what what was Moffat's quote? Something about it took a lot of gin and tonic <laughs> to persuade him to, to accept the, the you know, the job. And I think that's the thing. You know, you talking about that clip earlier about um, Chris Chibnall when he was younger giving Pip and Jane Baker a hard time on that, mm. that show. I was thinking, yeah, that's that, the roles have totally reversed now. And he knows, he's, he knows exactly what he's going to be taking on, doesn't oh, he? Yeah. Yep. You know, he knows he's got all that to come because you can never please anybody. It doesn't matter what he does. There are going to be people who love it and people who hate it. And it's the same with the moth, isn't it? So, yes. yeah, good yeah. luck, Chris Chibnall. Um, we, we've, we're about, I think I'll speak for both of us. We're well, you know, we're really looking forward to see what you come up with. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And um, yes, I think everyone, I think most people, most fans in agreement that it's a good, um, it's a good time. For, for who to have a change up oh, um, so. not looking forward to the the big break so much but uh it's a good job that our podcast is here for you <laughs> to fill in that time when there's no who on tv no you're going to be watching a lot of classic this year let's be, uh, well a lot of re-watches this year let's yeah. put it that way yeah we're here for you don't worry yeah it's all good so yes that's the uh that's the big news regarding uh the moth being thrown into a skip and uh, Mr. Chibnall <laughs> riding down on a unicorn with fanfare and trumpets playing. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Yes. Um, but we would like your thoughts on this subject, actually. Um, listeners of the show, jump on Facebook. Let us know what you think. 
um, we'd be interested to hear. Yes. So I think that's going to wrap the news. Okay. Uh, Adam, my good fellow. Hello there. Hello. What are we reviewing this week? This week, yeah, back to the Christopher Eccleston era and we're reviewing Dalek. You're just a soldier without commands. Then I shall follow the primary order. The Dalek instinct to destroy, to conquer. What for? What's the point? Don't you see? It's all gone. Everything you were, everything you stood for. Then what should I do? All right, then. If you want orders, follow this one. Kill yourself. The Daleks must survive! The Daleks have failed! Why don't you finish the job and make the Daleks extinct? Rid the universe of your filth! Why don't you just die? You would make a good Dalek. Blimey. Classic. Blimey. Love that bit. I'm not making this up, guys, uh, guys and Adam. I've got loads of goosebumps over me right now. <laughs> I can see them. We're recording this on Skype. Yes, you can see the goosebumps from miles away. Yeah. So, Dalek from the Eggleston era, 2005, obviously. Yes. Uh, Robert Sherman as writer on this one. Mm. And the only one he's done for the show, isn't it? Uh, is it the only one? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's the only one he's done. I mean, he's done lots of other Doctor Who related stuff, but it's the only one he's done for the TV series since it come back, which is um, a real shame, I think, given, uh, how, given how good this one is. Yeah. yeah, I know he's done a bit for Big Finish, but I thought he did another episode. Okay, cool. Um, yes. So uh, it's been really cool watching the um, going back to Eccleston because we've said it yeah. many times on the show before. Uh, we think he is a great doctor. He is. He is I love Chris's doctor. doctor. Yeah. And this episode in particular does bring out a rather dark side yeah i was just thinking when you played that clip in is that the first time we get to see chris's doctor really losing it like that because i I think it is i mean there's bits where he gets angry in in previous stories but he really goes off the rails in this one doesn't he? he's really properly terrified yeah yeah he goes yeah he goes from terror to um almost like dictator Mm. um you know, quite quite dark. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, the plot. Um, the plot's pretty cool, actually. On this one, um, they they turn up in this. Um, they turn up in America, isn't it? At some point. Yeah. In America, Utah, and, I think. Yeah, yeah, and they're in this like museum. Um, place. Uh, which looks like anyway. There's lots of glass cabinets with with various um, artifacts in it, which he recognises immediately. It turns out it's owned by this guy who owns the internet, which is an interesting concept. Um, like this mega, super rich, powerful guy who apparently owns the internet, and his passion is collecting like otherworldly artifacts for his collection. Yeah. And one of the pieces he's got, which he reveals to the Doctor, is his only living uh, piece. It turns out to be a Dalek, which um, which fell through the the net, if you like, when because uh, at, at this point in time, uh, it, it all revol- revolves around the the Time War, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's about right. how the Doctor, at this point in 
the, the main story arc for Modern Who, um, was responsible for the destruction of the Daleks and the Time Lords. Mm. And um, so this is before we have all the whole 50th anniversary, you know, Gallifrey didn't burn and all that stuff. At this point in time, the Doctor's very much feels very guilty and responsible for that whole time war thing. But this lone Dalek has managed to escape or, um, and has landed. I don't know how he got here, which is quite weird. I don't know if he just plonked himself right into this guy's lap or if he was captured. I'm not quite sure, but, mm. um, so he's escaped the time war. Uh, the doctor and Rose, um, quite swiftly get exposed to this collector's piece. All hell breaks loose. Um, and then we have a, a quite a sad ending. Um, sad, oh yes, I was thinking a sad ending. I was thinking quite a sad ending. In did fact. Adam die? No. Yeah. <laughs> did Adam no, die? Yeah, we do it. Yeah, it is. Yes, it is quite. Yes, it is actually quite emotional ending. You're right. Yes. Yeah. So that's plot. Mm. Plot is pretty good. It's a uh, good. It's a simple plot, isn't it? Yeah. Just yeah, it's a simple plot, but it's it's really engaging. I would yes. say. Yeah. Yes. And I would go so far as to say one of the. One of the best Dalek stories, certainly in modern Who. Yeah, um, I, I've I would seen. agree with that. Yeah, yeah, I, I do love the two-parter at the end of Chris's um, reign. Actually, the Partner of the Ways and Bad Wolf. I think Partner of the Ways is a is a fantastic Dalek story as well. But but considering that we've just got the one Dalek in this one, yes, he's yeah. pretty blimmin' terrifying, and he, he's yeah. he's. Yeah, he's not taking any nonsense. It's a, yeah, it's incredible actually that they can make this one Dalek so scary and just well, yeah, just so uh, just so awesome, really. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean, and I think that's one thing that quite a few people have picked up on. So when we come on a bit later to a couple of our audio reviews and stuff like that, it's definitely something that's more terrifying. Just having one Dalek, one Dalek on the loose. Um, seems to have a bit more of an effect than having like a million Daleks in an invasion or something. It's just something creepy about it and menacing that, and the, and the way this was directed as well was pretty good. It's brilliant, actually. I, yeah. one of, that's one of my notes. Joe Ahern, I think, is that how you say it? Joe, Joe Ahern. Ahern, yep. Yeah, it's one of the things I just kept thinking all the way through watching this um, is how well directed it was. It's just yeah, it's really, really top-notch the way it's done. Yeah. You know, there are a couple of tiny bits where the effects perhaps look a bit dated, but overall it's 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 brilliant, you know, when yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, really, really well. Yep. Well done. So, um before we move on to before we get on to the Dalek stuff, um, story wise, pacing and all that stuff, um, I really liked in this one. Mm-hmm. Like you say, I think the direction was 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 very, very good, mostly. And I think it, I think it was, it was done well in a sense of there wasn't much set to play with, because this story only really happens in a handful of little locations. Mm. You've got like little offices dotted here and there. You've got like the main, uh, the main collection area where they arrive in first of all, um, and then you've got like this sort of warehousey bit where there's like a showdown with the Dalek and the soldiers and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so there wasn't really much set to play with and not much location to work with. So I think that the way the story was moved along and how it was directed was was really well done, actually. Um, and it seemed to have these nice, longer establishing shots as well. Because mm. I think there is a case, certainly for classic Who, 
where one of the things that a lot of people say that they can move quite slowly, which is not necessarily a criticism. It's just, a, a, you know, a different time. You know, TV, the way it's edited and made is very different now. Yeah. Um, in terms of pacing and that sort of stuff. But in this one, it just seems that it had a right, a nice mix of like little action-y moments, but some really nice scenes where, especially when the Doctor first sees the Dalek. Oh, yeah. Um, and then the bit where Rose is in there as well before she, she touches it and... Um, the the obviously the scene the clip that we played a minute ago, it seems time seems to slow down a little bit, and there was enough breathing space, you know, for the dialogue to really shine through. It wasn't a case of let's very quickly cut to each scene and and move on. They really took their time, um, and I think that's another reason why Chris Eccleston is so good in this one as well because he has the time to really deliver those lines really passionately, and mm. you know they they give him the breathing room to do that. So. Pacing wise and stuff, really, really liked it. Um, what did you think to this story then overall? Yeah, I, I, I really love this story, mate. I, I, I absolutely love it. Um, it's funny you say about the setting actually, because I'd forgotten how sparse hmm. it is, and it's quite interesting because when they were planning this, obviously this is going to be, you know, first sort of big for them. You know, it's quite a big story, isn't it? The Daleks coming back. Yeah you know, in the first series of Doctor Who since, um, since 1989. So, um, it's, well, I, I know they feature briefly in the, in the movie at the start, but you know what I mean? It's quite yeah. a big story. So it's interesting that they keep it so contained in this very sort of basic setting. Um, but it works really, really well. And I think you're right. It's down to the brilliant direction. It's, the pacing is, is fantastic. Uh, no pun intended, but it does. There's <laughs> like, yeah, like the scenes where the, you know, there's just scenes where the Dalek is just stops and it's just looking and assessing everything around it. And it's like, there's nothing really happening, but it's just so engaging because it's like, it's quite tense at times, isn't it? So there yeah. were just, yeah, there's lots of long shots where stuff is just, you know, you're just taking everything in and it works brilliantly. Yeah. yeah I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. And it was only filmed, um, I'm just looking up at the, the filming locations at the moment. It was, um, some of it was done at the National Museum in Cardiff. Oh, well, that's that, that'll be the beginning bit, yeah. The beginning bit, yeah. And then everything else um, was shot the following day at the Millennium Stadium in Cardiff. Oh, right. Underground, by the looks of it. Yeah. I, actually, I must just say, while you're talking about that museum bit, I do love that <laughs> that bit because um, first one of the first notes I made, actually, was what a beautiful shot of the TARDIS landing. Now, that yeah, might sound yeah. really simple, but again, I don't know if this comes back to direction or what, but it's, it's just glorious. It just sort of fades in and out right in front. It's, it's a glorious opening shot. Yeah. And then you get um, you get some really nice throwbacks because obviously this museum's got like lots of little bits that this nutcase um, Van Stratton has been collecting. So you've got a Slovene arm. Um, yeah. And of course, you've got this Cyberman head from the classic from the era. Classic, now, yeah. you can imagine the first time I saw this <laughs> just going nuts about that because it looks brilliant. It's um, It looks like the Revenge... Uh, no, 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 no. Yeah, Revenge of the Sidemen. Yeah, yeah. It looks mm -hmm. like that that era, the Tom Baker one. Um, it. I really wish they'd used that when the Cybermen came back because for me, that knocks the new design into a cocked hat. I think it looks fantastic <laughs> in this. Um, weirdly enough, I did notice this strange 
CGI thing in the background when we we get we get two long shots of that yep. that corridor and I didn't know what it was um, but I'm going to go back and rewatch it because apparently it's a uh, a mechanoid from the William Hartnell the Chase and I love I love the mechanoids they're such a clumsy <laughs> design I just love them and I didn't realise that's what it was meant to be because it's kind of in the shadows oh, okay. in the background it's obviously CGI I guess so. Um, yeah, so I'm going to go back and watch that because I, I noticed it but didn't realise it was meant to be a mechanoid. So, so yeah, I just love that opening scene. Just some really nice little shoutbacks. Comes back to the pacing that you were saying as well because it's, you know, it's not, it's not an action scene. There's nothing happening. We've just got the Doctor arriving and Rose. They're taking in the, the sights. It's just a really nice scene, yeah. It's very good. Before we get into the action. Yeah, and then we're pretty much into it straight away, really. There's no, there's no dilly-dallying around. Um, they get captured by security and then uh, it doesn't take long for the doctor to figure out, you know, this, this guy's number. And, uh, mm. and it, it, it's cool when the doctor first realizes, because when he says to him, he's a collector and, and all the rest of it. And he says, I've, I've only got one living piece. It's at that moment in the story where everything changes because you can mm. see uh, the doctor's face immediately worry. You, you know, he doesn't know what it is. Even, interesting that when he gets into the room and it's quite dark and he can see the blue glow of the Dalek's eye stalk, it's interesting that he still doesn't know what it is. It's not until the two lights light up as he's speaking that he absolutely wheezes his pants. It's a, um, it's a great scene then, the way the lights just come on, sort of almost like um, when you go in a warehouse, it's almost as if three or four lights slowly... Yeah click into action and um because what van stratton calls it a metal tron doesn't he he says oh i've got a metal tron tied up in here that's it yep. so the doctor doesn't suspect until it yeah till the lights turned on yeah and, and then he really does uh yeah like you said yeah looks scared but I, I like the fact that the 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 doctor at that point is immediately concerned and worried mm. as soon as he hears he's got a living piece he's like let me see it you know um and from that point on that's when the story really goes from kind of happy-go-lucky, you know, the Doctor and Rose, they're not too bothered about being captured by security at this point. No. Um, and there's, like, some funny little to and fro's between Rose and this guy. And, um, and it's all quite light-hearted. And then when the Doctor... So that first scene, then, when the Doctor's in that room with the Dalek, it's pretty damn good. You, it is good. How that yeah. scene was written where, you, you know... Because you would have... You would have I think as a viewer... And as a fan of Doctor Who, you would probably know that that's a Dalek from that blue light. So it's it's interesting the way they've done it that the Doctor doesn't immediately know that we have to wait until the Dalek speaks and the, the little lights light up and stuff. It's I think what the the thing is, and, and Chris does this brilliantly. That they're, they're making, you know, in this they want to reinforce the fact that the Daleks are scary because I think. Um, in the hiatus when Doctor Who was off air, they'd been licensed out to lots of different things like serial manufacturers to be used in adverts. And they'd kind of come a bit of a joke, the Daleks. Not, not that sounds a bit harsh, but you know what I mean? Yes, so they wanted, yeah. you know, if they were going to bring the Daleks back, they wanted to make them, you know, the scariest monster in the universe again. And I think Chris sort of does that straight away in that scene. He looks terrified. And this yeah. Dalek's very different to what we've seen mm. before. He's, um, you know, he can spin round and shoot 360 and he, he can hover upstairs and uh, he's, you know, he's got this sort of force field around him. This is a really, uh, you know, 
for want of a better word, kick-ass Dalek that we've got. And oh, quite yeah. different to yeah. sort of, if you think back to the Daleks in Remembrance where they're <laughs> wobbling down the streets, bless them, this is, yeah. a, you know, this is a terrifying Dalek. Because yeah. they, they weren't going to let them, the Terry Nation estate weren't going to let let them have the Daleks for Doctor Who when it came back, were they? That's was, right. There yep. was a, a rights issue, you know. They, and I think it's because of that. They said, no, we've, we've, we've let it be used too much and it's not scary anymore. You know, the, the, the sort of reputation of the Daleks is tarnished or whatever. And it's incredible to think that the Terrian Nation state were, were actually not going to let Doctor Who use the Daleks. Um, and I'm glad that they changed their mind because it would have been the Toclophane, you know, if they if they couldn't have got the rights to this, it would have been the Toclophane that we got to see much later on, yep. which wouldn't have worked anywhere near as good as this. No, not at all. No. Yeah. Um, and one thing to point out as well that I've just sort of mentally realised is that at this moment in time in the Doctor's life, time stream, whatever, um, as far as he's aware, the Daleks were exterminated. Excuse yes. me. Yeah. So he he wouldn't expect to see a Dalek at all because as far as he's concerned they were all wiped out in the time war so that's probably another factor there that when he sees just even the blue light he probably wouldn't immediately go to oh it's a Dalek yeah because you know because he he thinks they're all gone so yeah so the doctor's um kind of he's just terrified and and stuff but then he very very quickly turns to you know when the, the the Dalek starts kicking off and he's like exterminate, exterminate, but nothing's coming out of, you know, he's he's basically been uh, he's had the snip, <laughs> effectively. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the only way I could describe him. Really. Yeah, I never thought of it like that. <laughs> um, so, and that at that point, the Doctor's very much like, aha, I've got you. Yeah, and then he turns very. Very um, sort of school playground bullyish mm. is the way that I I perceive him at that point because he starts toying, you know, he starts, you know, being quite nasty and quite, you know, quite bullyish towards him. Yeah, he's or not it, very nice at all. Actually, I'd, I'd forgotten about that. Not but, at all. Um, yeah. yeah, he's he's actually quite, yeah, he's quite nasty. But do you know what I love about that is that um, you get to see the Doctor that sort of would have had a fight in the time war a bit there don't you because that's the thing even though this was right at the start and none of that stuff with the war doctor and that was even in you know even thought of but you seeing the doctor act like that to the dalek and being really quite harsh yeah you can imagine him being the same person i know it's a different doctor now but the same person that that did you know what he did in the time war so i like that you thought wow i'm seeing a different edge to the doctor here you know chris does that really well i think yeah yeah of course and he actually goes nuts as well he starts Mm. you know screaming and shouting at him and then he throws on the electrocution switch and starts torturing him and he's really not nice at all and on one hand you can see why you know the daleks are an evil race you know who just want to you know wipe out all life as we know it um, and have done some pretty nasty things to to his people, so you can see why. But then, um, on the other hand, this Dalek is, you know, he can't can't kill anybody. He's chained up. There's no real reason for the Doctor to, you know, to go to town on him and start torturing him and stuff. So, yeah. see, so that kind of makes me wish Chris had come back for the fiftieth. You know, because oh, no. when you see him doing that, I can imagine him being the Doctor that wiped out both. I can I can think you know I can see it in his doctor that he would do that and same with a bit at the end where he's got the gun, 
I think, yeah, this doctor could could have been pushed to that level. Yeah. Um, obviously, he didn't come back, so we got the war doctor, who was fantastic. Uh, again, no pun intended, but yeah. <laughs> but I could see Chris's doctor doing that, you know, from from this scene. I thought, yeah, he's got it in him. Mm-hmm. He's got a side to him that's just terrified and snapped, and he would do it. Yeah. He would push that button. You, you can yeah. see it a couple of times in this episode, actually. Mm. You can see a, it's not just that one scene where he's he's probably still in shock a little bit that there's a Dalek still out there. Um, but yeah, a couple of other times further, further on in the episode, he's, um, he's, uh, he's not, you know, not that nice at all. Um, I'm just wondering if maybe that's why the Terry Nation estate had doubts. If the production team pitched them the idea, look, we've got this Dalek, he's had the snip. Um, (laughs) (laughs) they were like, no, you're not using it. You know, (laughs) maybe that's where it all went wrong and they had to change it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Support cast. Before we get on to, um, uh, the Doctor in some detail and stuff. Supporting cast. Um, yeah. Why do people hate Adam so much? Um, I know why. Why? Because he's bloody annoying. <laughs> he's useless, wet flannel of a... Yeah. He's a wet lettuce. He is. Um, yeah, so Adam. Adam Mitchell. Um, mm-hmm. Bruno Langley. Yeah. So what did they... I, I imagine that was pitched what as a little love interest for for Rose a little bit because they do have like a little flirty scene when they first start talking and and he's and he goes you know he goes off for another adventure doesn't he he's in the long game he travels in the TARDIS with them yeah. um, but he's just a bit of a there's no you know he's played okay I suppose by Bruno Bruno Langley but yeah it was just a bit of a wet yeah like you say a wet lettuce really He's he's a bit cheesy, isn't he? The yeah. only good thing about the character is that Rose just has, although she does flirt with him, mm. she kind of picks him up on the fact that he's just like, she's like, is that a chat up line? Do you know what I mean? That's the only good thing about it is that she just has none of it. Yeah. Um, but she kind of likes him. And I do like the the doctor's uh, reaction to him as well about him joining them. He's like, well, he's a bit pretty yeah. you know, and all that sort of thing. So yeah. he works in that respect. But um, yeah. Bruno Langley, yeah. Um, a soap actor predominantly, um, it kind of shows. He's, he's, he's not terrible, he's not bad, but he kind of is, yeah, just yeah, a bit, yeah. He, he's, he's all right. He's not, he's not terrible, though, is he? He's not cringeworthy. No, he's not he's like... not a very good character. Yeah, he's not got as, you know, he hasn't got some of those Adric moments where it's just like, oh, it's funny you mention that name because i kind of was putting him in the same bracket for a while yes which yeah and i don't know why but yeah i kind of adric's name did keep popping up in my head as well just that sort of um i think it's more the character that sort of slightly annoying know-it-all cheesy yeah Yeah. poor adric i love adric but poor adric he never got to finish that equation did he (laughs) no now we'll never know no (laughs) so yeah uh Adam, yeah, bit of a, just bit of a nobody, really. I can't, I can't just can't really, I can't really comment too much on him because he's just. It, it always surprises me that he joins them at the end in the TARDIS. Though I, yeah. I remember the first time I watched that, thinking, "What?" Because obviously we, I didn't know back then that he was gonna only gonna be in, you know, this one and the next one, and then he'd be gone. Um, so I thought at the time, "Oh my god!" You know, we got yeah. him as a full time companion. Um, but the good thing is, in the next one, what he does is quite interesting. I mean, I don't want to skip on to the next story, but it, so for that sort of point of view, he's quite good because he turns out to be 
a nightmare, doesn't he? And the doctor <laughs> gets rid of him in no uncertain terms. So, you know, in that sense, it's quite good having him in it. But um, yeah, yeah, bit of a bit of a rubbish. Yeah. Card. What about Henry? Henry Van Staten. Henry Van Staten. What yeah. What an annoying bugger he is. He is. He's. A, see, the thing is with this because it's a one-parter. We kind of have to get to know the characters straight away. Yeah. So they are written a little bit cliche. And Henry Van Stratton's very much, you just know from the word go that this is just an arrogant. Yeah. Or when he said the bad word, arrogant prat. He's yeah. just, a, <laughs> you know, you just know that straight away. So um, yeah. he's a little bit sort of cliche in the way he's written and performed and stuff, but it does work. It's, yeah. You just don't like him from the word go, but you're not meant to like him, are you? So you're not supposed yeah. to, but I, th- I think. Yeah, it's just Corey Johnson as well. I just find him a little bit, I don't is know. Is he American? I'm um, sure I've seen him in other stuff yes, when he he's is, not yeah. that. Oh, he is? All right, okay. Yeah, um, yeah he's... Because uh, there know. are a couple of accents in this where I was like, I'm not sure, that sounds a bit dodgy. No, I wasn't even sure if, he, if that was a proper American accent, but okay, it is. But there's a woman who's got an American accent as well, which clearly is not, is a bit dodgy. And it's worse than mine, Gary. It's worse than mine. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I found him just quite annoying. I mean, I know his character is meant to be this arrogant, kind of mm. ignorant, you know, just power hungry, thinks he can do whatever he likes to people. Because there's a bit, isn't there, where his first assistant, just has a fired memory wiped and all the rest of it mm-hmm. so he's like he's, he's on a power trip isn't he constantly um and what do you think that this concept written in then that he's the owner of the internet see i'd forgotten about that i thought it was a bit silly actually yeah because i think it's because they they when they said it because who who else was in that scene at the time somebody said don't be silly nobody owns it. i think it's rose she's like yeah. nobody owns the internet and then somebody says well that's what we want the, the world to think mm. kind of thing. It just seems a bit of a bizarre thing to, I mean, it's, it's nothing no, I thought crazy about it, but it's, mm. um, I just thought, oh, really? You know, the owner of the internet, you know? Yeah, no, I didn't get that. The, the good thing about the fact that he's such an unlikable character is it's so good when the Doctor puts him in his place. I just, you know what I mean? Later on, there's some great scenes where the Doctor's just telling him straight, you know? Yeah. Uh, do you know that scene where the Stratton tortures the Doctor? Yes. Um, is a bit weird. Um, but actually got quite a lot of complaints, apparently. I mean, I did think when watching it, oh, I don't know, seeing Chris's scrawny body being zapped by laser, it was a bit like, I don't know, it just... Uh, yeah. I mean, I didn't feel strongly enough to complain. But, uh, yeah. But I do love it when he turns the tables on him. He's just like, look, either, you know, if you let me save them or you're all going to die. He's like, okay. Yeah, it wasn't anything crazy though, because they labelled that the complaint wasn't it was it was sado masochistic, yeah, torture yeah. scene. It was, I mean, come on, they could have done a lot worse than <laughs> I've seen worse than just scan him with an invisible pretend laser. Um, <laughs> so they could have done it. And he only had his top; he was just topless. You know, he still had his jeans on and everything. It wasn't like, and he wasn't whipped or shot or waterboarded no. or had his fingernails taken off with pliers or anything. It was just. Mm. You know, if it was just scanned him with like this pretend X-ray machine, and they see he had two hearts. It was yeah, I can't good really old see laser. the good old-fashioned X-ray laser. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, I think that's just a bit of you know a bunch of whatless gooder do-gooders just sitting around, nothing better to do. Mm-hmm. You know, they haven't put a complaint in for a while, so we better put one in now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm not going to read too much into that. It's always ridiculous, but. Um, 
Yeah, the rest of the supporting cast, just forgetful, really. No no uh, disrespect intended there but um, i was thinking actually who else is there but you're right there are a couple of us but yeah no we, offense but yeah i'd forgotten they were in it yeah we've got his newer you know the assistant that takes over immediately after the first one's fired or does she say something weird like thrown by the side wipe his memory and thrown by the side of the road in a place beginning with s or something uh, beginning with m and um, what's the relevance to that then don't know what? What's, oh okay i thought that was some sort of in joke that i'd completely missed oh so it is s yeah beginning with s yeah. Um, I don't know. Okay. I just wondered if it was just something I'd missed, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, so she has a few lines, and she she um, she makes good at the end, if you like, because he is a bit of a bully. It's a bit one of those bosses where, you know, probably everybody complains about him behind his back and nobody likes <laughs> him, but and she kind of uh, gives him his, his comeuppance at the end, doesn't she? Yeah, which we're all waiting for. We all can't yeah. wait for him to get it, yeah. Which was very similar to The Caves of Androzani. Oh yeah, where his um, assistant, um, you know, she kind of takes over at the end, and you know, it's always the assistant. You got to watch out. Yeah, it's a good point. I hadn't thought of that, but yeah, yeah. very good point. Mm. So the rest of the cast don't really do anything, to be honest with you. Um, they just follow the other actors around and throw in the odd line. The same with the soldiers as well. It's they don't really do anything of great significance. Um, no, so, yeah. but there is a great scene though, isn't there, where that where the Dalek shoots the fire extinguisher, and then uh, uses that to f- electrocute them all. Yes, which I thought was brilliant. Um, and again, I'd completely forgotten about because I was watching it. Think I thought he, um, I couldn't remember what he did when he just stops that Dalek and they're all ready to shoot him and stuff. I yeah. couldn't remember what was happening. So yeah, well, that was a good. I liked that bit. I thought it was really just a good way of um showing how this dalek is not taking any nonsense really i've got that in my notes actually yeah mm. it's um i thought it was a great way of showing the dalek's intelligence yeah and his kind of uh his his battle savvy you know combat savvy sort of creature because it would have been all too easy for him to just wield himself into that scene and just shot everybody as like with normal lasers uh- yeah, and that's kind of what I thought he did, actually. That's why I was quite, yeah, I thought yeah. it was quite good. Because in my head, I was thinking, oh, yeah, he just obliterates them all here. Yeah. And I'd forgotten he actually does that. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, so, yes, let's talk about, uh, let's, let's finish off with um, the Dalek and mm. the Doctor and those few scenes which are so key to this episode. So we've spoken about the first one where the Doctor first encounters the Dalek and he goes from terrified to school bully and stuff like that. Then we have the scene where he's in uh, Van Staten's office. So this is just after he's wiped out all of those soldiers. And that's the clip that I played a little while ago, um, which is just... The Dalek, for me, steals the show in, yeah. in that scene because... The I'm do- assuming it's Nick Briggs, is it? Uh, no, yes, yes, it is, it is yeah. Um, so the, the Doctor has, has basically said... Because he's still not letting up, is he? He still hasn't changed his mind on on the Dalek. He still needs him to, or still wants him to to die. Yeah. He, well, I think he can't think of any other way around it. Yeah. He knows he knows what this Dalek's capable of. He's yeah. just thinking, well, the only way to to solve this is to yeah for it yeah. to die. Because yeah. I think he says something like, "What's the nearest town?" And he's like, something, and he's like, "One million. They're all dead. All gone. All yeah. gone." Sort of thing. So yeah, you're right. He's he he sees a way out as killing it and there's no compromise so that's that line though where he says kill yourself 
Mm. And then a little bit later, he says, you would make a good Dalek. That's the that's the one line that just gets goosebumps up. It's just perfectly written, perfectly delivered, that you see that, and Chris Elkiston's acting as well. Doesn't have to say anything, just the look on his face of complete and utter shame. Um, yeah, because he's seeing that the Dalek's basically saying, you know, we are the same. He's like, we're the last of our race and mm-hmm. you're just doing what I'm doing. And it's like, it's a real, yeah, the Doctor can see that comparison. He can, yeah. because it yeah. horrifies him. Because yeah. he said that before in a scene earlier. He's like, um, I think it's that scene actually where he first encounters him. He's like, there are no other Time Lords left and no other Daleks. He's like, we're the same. And the Doctor yeah. flips out. He's like, we're not the same, blah, blah. <laughs> and then later on, it's another comparison where the Doctor's basically doing what a Dalek would do. Mm. And, that, you know, so it's interesting that he turns the tables and makes the Doctor think, um, you know, a little bit about his his actions, really. And, and kind of Rose does that as well, because we haven't really talked much about Rose, but Rose very much does that as well at the end, doesn't she? When she gets to see that this Dalek is well, it's different because it's absorbed her DNA. So it kind of just wants to see the daylight and it's really confused about what it's doing and everything. Yeah. So, you know, when the Doctor comes around with that massive gun, yep. Um, yep. she kind of says to the Doctor, take a look at yourself, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think Billy's really good in this, actually. Yeah. In, in, you know, what she does. Yeah. So that's the third scene that I was going to come on to where, so we've had the Doctor flipping out and, and gone nuts. Then we've had the Doctor still, you know, on his case to... To, to kill him and stuff like that then we have that last scene where he turns up yeah with that massive gun um and he's still there he's still you know he's like rose move out of the way sort of thing and that's that, that's what i mean it's quite a sad ending because the the casings opened on the dalek and you can see like the little the actual dalek itself mm. um and you're right that scene is very very key where rose is like you know look at yourself like the completely defensive Dalek and you're the one standing here with like the huge gun. Um, and it's, it's touching. It really, really is touching those, those final scenes where, because, the, uh, um, because when Rose touches the Dalek, it's her DNA, isn't it? It's, it's like, um, the, the Dalek has kind of taken on those attributes of, of human DNA, isn't it? So he starts getting emotional yeah. and starts feeling stuff that he shouldn't. Yeah. Um, and also it's, it's plugged itself into the net and basically absorbed all that knowledge yeah. so it's got like you know it's got all that knowledge inside its head which is obviously conflicting and making it it's not a good Dalek by any means but it's certainly making it question yeah. you know its actions Yeah. Uh, which is why it doesn't kill Rose in that, that brilliant chase bit you know when the Doctor cuts her off Yep. well he, he doesn't mean to but he's got to shut the door isn't he and mm-hmm. she gets trapped on the other side of it I, I love that scene especially the fact he blames poor old Adam <laughs> he's like, oh. he's like well, what he's left her behind he's like well it's really his fault but yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah so that that scene then so um before we finish up on on the rose stuff like that, because i was going to leave rose till last because okay. for me i think that she, i think she um she's like the most important character in this episode okay for me bec- and i'll explain why so that last scene then where the doctor's still wanting to kill the dalek and it's it's rose at the very end there she's the one that you know stops the doctor from blasting it you know completely you know, she's the one that makes the Doctor see sense almost. So, like we've had those three key scenes with the Doctor, 
we kind of have a similar thing with Rose. We have that first scene where she actually touches the Dalek and it brings it back to life with like this regeneration energy that she's picked up, I think, through just time travel. Yeah. And being in the TARDIS and stuff. And then the next one is that scene that you spoke about where the, the Dalek corners her but doesn't kill her, like he aims off and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's almost, to me, it almost feels like she's she almost feels responsible for it. She almost feels like... Because there was that bit where the doctor confronts her and she's like, it's all my fault, it's all my fault. Um, and it, it, she almost feels like she's created this monster. Not a monster in her eyes, because she can see some kind of conflict within it. But in terms of like Van Staten and all the soldiers, they think it's a monster. Um, and then that scene at the end where she's having pretty much a, a good old chin wag with it, <laughs> um, you know, before it opens up the casing and stuff. Um and it's her conversation and it's her it's her reasoning with the doctor and making him see you know his actions and stuff like that so i think rose is the one in this episode that really is the key the key thing because yeah. she creates the situation you know she's the one that makes this whole mess you know not you know not intentionally but she's mm-hmm. the one that creates the situation by bringing this dalek back then mm-hmm. she has the thing where she's questioning the doctor's motives and his actions and stuff and then we have the closing scene where you know her conversation with the dalek and the doctor almost you know makes the dalek go off peacefully in the end if you know what i mean yeah Um, yeah i'm with you yeah so that's my feelings on it although the doctor is fantastic again excuse the pun in these scenes with the dalek and he's really important for me it's rose rose Mm. is the one that is, is like the key the key bit throughout the episode for me yeah, no, I see, I see, I see your point. Yeah, yeah. Sorry for waffling, but yeah, that's I, I no, think, no. I, yeah. I totally agree with you. Yeah, it's just I've never because she's not in it that much. I've never really sort of thought about her significance in it. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Actually, yeah, because I guess she is the pivotal um, point to it. Actually, yeah, it's it's funny because the, the the brilliant thing about this story is that Rob Shearman manages to make the Daleks scarier than they've been in a long time and certainly scarier than they've been in later episodes. And he also incredibly makes you care about a Dalek, which I don't think we've ever done before, particularly like you really care about this Dalek. You don't really, you almost feel sorry for it at the end. You do. Which is really quite incredible bit of writing to be able to do those two things in one script so well, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like he's really scary and you do also really care for him. So that's one of the reasons I think this script is just phenomenal it's in that great. sense. Yeah. And yeah. if you don't feel anything for the Dalek at all, there's something wrong with you. If you <laughs> don't if you don't have some kind of feeling of, you know, if you don't pity it in some way or feel sorry or almost rooting for it at the end. You know, yes. If you don't feel any of those things at the end, then this this story and this script has probably been wasted on you. But um it's very touching at the end that, that he takes his own life. Um and you know, it's not like you know, I, I, when I, I remember when I very first watched this episode, I almost thought it was going to be a Wizard of Oz thing where the Dalek just starts melting in the sunlight or something or <laughs> something like that. But it, it's quite sad, really, where the casing all closes up and then it's really good effect, actually, where all those little balls from mm. the casing form this, like, sphere around him and then he just blows himself to... What, what do you think that's such a great idea? Mm. I remember the first time I've seen that thinking, what a brilliant idea yeah. to, to actually use those those spears, whatever they are, that the Dalek has. Because as I said earlier, we get a very different Dalek in this. You know, there's lots of things. It's the same 
creature, but there are lots of things that they've ramped up and they've sort of really thought about it. Actually, we didn't mention the plunger as well, the fact that that, because ah. again, you know, one of the things that over time was kind of become a bit of a joke, oh, he's got a plunger on, you know, and, and they actually really properly use that in a scary way in this, don't they? It sucks that guy's face and, and it uses it to absorb the the uh, internet and stuff. So they, they really sort of looked at the Dartlet design and, yep. and ramped it up without changing it. I think it's brilliant. You know? yeah. And when you said about the casing opening up and all that, it really does look great. And it's, yeah, such a good idea. It's great. Uh, uh, I love it. I think the effects stand up pretty well. As I said, there are one or two bits. I think when it's um, levitating that perhaps, yeah, maybe look a little bit dated. But overall, the effects in this are pretty good. So the the casing opening is great. The bit where the bullets are flying towards its force field in slow motion yes. still yeah. looks brilliant to Look this really day. Good. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think they actually stand up pretty well overall. Yeah, that was a cool scene actually that I forgot to mention where he's at the bottom of the stairwell and um, Adam and Rose, um, much like us watching it really, are very much like, aha, he's stumped. Mm-hmm. And then when he shouts out, um, is it levitate? Levitate. Levitate. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that that was great, and it was, um, and he uses that again, doesn't he? When that scene and where he's attacking all the soldiers, he just levitates up and shoots the sprinkler system and stuff. Yeah, very very good. And I, like you said earlier, I'm really glad that they allowed the Daleks to be to come back into the show because oh, it wouldn't yeah. have worked at all with any other monster in this in this episode. So, oh. um, yeah. So overall, then, mate, I think we're in agreement. This is a it's a really good Dalek story. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. I love it. And I know, I don't know, have you ever listened to Rob Shearman's, you know, it was kind of like based on Jubilee, the big finish story for, by Rob Shearman. And I don't know, have you ever listened to that? No, no. It's really, it's one of the early ones. I think it's in the first 50 right. of the range. Um, it's a great story. I mean, it's big finish. So, you know, you, you know, it's quality. Um, yeah. And it's kind of like basically there are elements that are the same as this. Basically, Rob Shearman took the idea that he had in that that story, Jubilee, right. and then reworked it quite a bit to turn out to be this story. But it's worth going back and listening to Jubilee as well because that's with Colin Baker. And it's, yeah, you can definitely see the similarities. Like, you know, he goes and finds this Dalek trapped in a, I think it's a castle. It's a long time since I've listened to it. But yeah, okay. but, yeah it's worth going out and checking out as well because um, I would love to see Rob Shearman come back and write more for Doctor Who. Absolutely, I think, yeah. yeah. I think he's, uh, yeah. yeah, I think he's a really good, good writer. Yep. So we are scores. What are scores, scores on the doors? Who's first this it's week? You this week, buddy. Okay. Yep. Uh, well, easy one for me. I'm giving it nine out of ten. Ah, same as me. Yeah. Nine out of ten. I, I, there's very little to fault in it. Very, very little. I think it's a great story. Yeah. Really good. What did you guys think? Do some audio immediately. This is uh, Matt Rowney from Who Addicts. Dalek is without doubt the best Dalek story of modern Who and is in the top five of all time. It is an incredible episode written by Robert Shearman. The return of the most famous and most deadly villain in Doctor Who history, the Daleks, and he could not have brought them back in a more perfect way. This one single solitary Dalek managed to be written more threatening, more deadly and more dangerous than all of the Daleks that have followed ever since. All of the fleets, all of the armies that have followed in every episode since Dalek have paled in comparison to the Dalek in this. It walked through armies 
of people, gunmen, soldiers, and it shot them down. It didn't hesitate. It was so full of hatred. It was just amazing. It is everything that the Daleks are all about. And the Doctor was also just amazing. It was the ninth Doctor's greatest episode with his greatest scene when he confronted the Dalek about the Time War. It was like Rose reversed. The, the Doctor almost seemed like he was the dangerous villain that had lost its mind. It was an incredible scene by the both of them. And I think personally the greatest Doctor-Dalek confrontational scene of all time. Rose was also very good in this. I like how she got stuck in the danger. I really did care for her. And the end was a really nice twist scene. The beautiful side of the Dalek and that... It, it was faced with the fact that, it, like the Doctor, it was all alone and that it had no other members of its species and it committed suicide. It was so heartbreaking. The fact that we could go from hating this deadly creature one minute to then feeling sorry for it the next is credit to how good Robert Sheeman's writing was. So, for me, Dalek is the best episode of Series 1, the best Dalek story in Modern Who, and it's up there with being the best of all time, and I personally don't think it will be beaten ever in Modern Who. I'm going to give it a 9.5 out of 10. Cheers, mate. Mm, good stuff. Some really good um, some thoughts there, buddy. Um, and sometimes I edit these clips down if they go on for more than sort of a minute, minute, 20 seconds, but I thought Matt had so many good uh, points there. Mm. Um, so I didn't edit it, but uh, yeah, thanks, buddy. Some some really good stuff. And I think, I think I'd agree with him, you know. I think it's probably one of the best uh, Dalek stories of, of Doctor Who, certainly modern Who. Yeah, I I, I think so. Absolutely. Yeah, I think um, I, I would agree. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Facebook. Uh, Dean Jones, he says, a great Dalek story and easily the best of the modern era Dalek stories, uh, as well as Bad Wolf Parting of the Ways. Uh, Chris Feckleston gives a terrific performance um, and the scenes with the Dalek are genuinely compelling. Would love to see Robert Sherman write for the show, uh, write for the show again. He gives it 9 out of 10. Yeah. Uh, let's have a look. Christopher Law. Um, an absolutely fantastic story. Uh, arguably one, uh, arguably the best Dalek story of the modern era. Um, having only started watching Doctor Who with Rose in 2005, uh, I had no idea what the Daleks were, and Eccleston's fantastic performance made me wonder about the past the Daleks and the Doctor shared. Uh, the whole episode was great, one I often go back and re-watch. Um, an instant classic, 10 out of 10. Mm. Cool. Uh, more audio. This is Joe Sweeney. Hello, Gary and Adam. Hope you boys are well. Um, the Dalek story, um, I thought it was a, a proper way to start off with, with the very first um, episode of the re revival series with the bang. So um, anyway, um, the story was very good. Um, it, um, it did move, moved, um, it did have a great pace to it. Um, Eccleston's and Piper's performance was brilliant. And there was loads, and there was loads of intense moments with Eccleston's Doctor when he was showing um, anger towards the Daleks, and you see how much a time war really affected him. So I, um, I, so, um, I thought he's, um, I thought um, um, his Doctor was written so perfectly, and also I'm amazed how much the Daleks have changed um, over the generations and i really love love their 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 designs their golden titanium and, and their blue eye stalk and also um also um i thought it was um a good episode so i'll give um the dalek um a overall score of um eight and a half out of ten um hope you enjoy the podcast guys and um hope you have a great weekend take care for now bye bye thank you joe 
Cheers, Joe. Some more good points there. Let's do some more audio. This is Alex Kingdom. Now, Dalek is one episode that could go either way. You either love Dalek or you hate Dalek. Um, well, that's around my family anyway. I know everyone around the community uh, loves Dalek. Um, but everyone in my family seems to hate Dalek. I am against my family. Um, get this one. But, um, Dalek is exactly what a Dalek story should be. Da- the, when the Dalek, a Dalek, not the Daleks, a Dalek is merciless and will, will stop at nothing to kill anybody. He killed, like, at least, uh, like, a whole base, pretty much. But overall, it's a really good story that I find. I also like the claustrophobic. It's very claustrophobic in a way uh, because there's no way they can get there. And also the worst bit about this episode is Blimmin' Adam. Who likes Adam? Tell me if you like Adam. Hopefully you don't. See you later. Not a fan of Adam in that one. He, he does mean Adam in the show, does he not? <laughs> um, well. Well, we don't know. We don't yeah. know, Zoe. Back on Facebook, uh, Scott Stearns. Uh, I remember liking this uh, on the first watch, and it's still enjoyable. Uh, Eccleston is, very, uh, is a very manic doctor, which I like. Rose had something to do, so a plus. Uh, the Dalek uh, sunning itself was creepy, mm. sad, and interesting all at the same time. I think my big problem with the episode is that every Dalek stroke Doctor interaction seems uh, to harken back to the ideas explored in this episode now, which frankly seems a bit lazy and boring. Uh, I like the nod to remembrance of the Daleks with uh, with um, with the stare issue, uh, but I kept wondering when somebody was going to find some nitronine. Or a grenade <laughs> to deal with the Dalek, as the bullets were just foolish. Uh, he gives it 7.5. All right, okay. Uh, Lewis Palmer, I haven't watched this in a long time, but I remember it being superb and a great way to introduce the Daleks to the new series. The scene with Eccleston first meets the Dalek shows how great an actor he is. This is how you do a modern Dalek story. Tom Dix, he says, this was the story that introduced me to the show. Oh. Uh, before this, my parents kept me away from it as they thought... Uh, it was stupid, so my siblings decided to pin me down on my bed and make me watch it. I'm so glad they did, as it is one of my favourite stories. The chemistry between Nine and Rose is utterly brilliant, and seeing him so afraid was both exhilarating and heartbreaking at the same time. Ten out of ten. Ten out of ten from Tom. Yes, and good luck with your job interview, Tom. Mm. Uh, Sammy Satine, uh, he says, uh, she says, sorry, I find the idea of someone collecting aliens interesting, but makes me feel a bit sorry for the aliens. Nice Bad Wolf reference. Bad Wolf 1 descending. Uh, Van Staten is a bit of full of himself and obviously has quite a bit of money, but he changes his attitude during the episode and you begin to like the guy a bit. Uh, the confrontation between Nine and the Dalek is just amazing. The fear the Doctor has when he first sees it and then the range of emotions he displays after that is incredibly well done. Um, I do have to admit the fact that the Dalek uh, shows more emotion than just the standard hate. Seeing it uh, just seeing it just kill uh, is something I feel has been missing for a few years. Uh, the scene when the Doctor confronts the Dalek with a gun is amazing. I also find the Dalek questioning itself interesting and it asks Rose how does it feel uh, interesting. Uh, physiology of the Dalek is an interesting thing to observe. Uh, I think Chris, Chris Eccleston does a brilliant job as the Doctor and I like Billy as Rose too. Uh, she gives it a 9 out of 10. Excellent. Um very short and sweet from Adam Petty. Uh, in my opinion, it's the best Ninth Doctor episode. Wow. 
Uh, let's finish off with audio. This is uh, Jay Kent. Greetings, Gary, Alos, and Adam Charlton. And hope you're well. Now, Dalek was the perfect reintroduction <laughs> to the classic species, not only to show the Dalek's terrifying nature, but also the Doctor's dark side, brilliant characters such as Van Staten, the wonderful plot and setting, and the whole storyline as a whole. There was also Adam. Anyway, this episode, along with the Series 1 finale, are the new Daleks at their best. The monstrous, savage element that hasn't been seen in a while, and it's beautiful. The Daleks' death was touching, and Nine's Vengeance side is chilling. I'd give this episode a well-deserved 8 out of 10. And one more thing. <clears throat> the Daleks survive in me! <clears throat> Sorry. Sore throat, I think. Anyway, uh, enjoy the rest of the episode, guys. Uh, well done. <laughs> Cheers, Joe. Yeah, Jay. Ever entertaining, Jay. That's fantastic. Thanks you need a lot, to get buddy. some strepsils. Indeed, mate. Did you have anything over on uh, Geek's Handbag stuff? I did, yeah. I um, I'm got one on my Instagram, uh, so I must remember this one, because uh, this chap hasn't got Facebook or Twitter, so... Uh, the Who Hub said, Dalek is one of the finest stories that has come out of the modern Who, I think, as it was one of the earliest stories I saw when I first got into it. It holds a special place in my heart. The story of a lone Dalek works superbly in the story and built up more mystery surrounding the Time War and helped to bridge the gap with classic Who. As I said, one of the best stories, a definite 8.5 out of 10. Cool. So thank you, The Who Hub, the Who on Hub. Instagram. Cool. On Facebook, we had a few. Uh, ben Smith says the best Dalek story of the revived era easily. A lot of people saying that. Yep. Chris is fantastic, and the Dalek shows what an incredible threat they are. I'd love for Shearman to come back. Ten out of ten. Chinibble, get Shearman back. Um, <laughs> Brian Anthony says one of the very first episode I ever watched. A few people saying that. Yep. Uh, the acting script and plot was great. I especially love Chris. Chris is acting when he's alone in the room with the Dalek. Although really he's talking to a metal prop. He acted it as if it was real yep. evil mutant that ruined his life and for him to be able to show such emotion in that scene it just shows what a great actor he is and proves he's certainly a great doctor so ryan's given it eight out of ten agree with that nice one harry westergaard says gary adam hey, brilliant gary. story <laughs> this one and the parting of the ways i can't do the accent so is one of my two favorite new who dalek stories i agree i love parting of the ways as well uh finn walsh absolutely love this story brilliant script a pure 10 out of 10 and adam time lord fishwick says <laughs> a brilliant story uh-huh so yeah no negatives you know just realize that normally you know we get a bit of you know bit of this bit of that I think everything's positive on this one. That's a good point, actually. Yeah, yeah, that's very rare. Mm. Yes, nice one, Robert Sherman. Yeah, well done. I would really like him to come back and write some more. You know, yes, it would be very good, very good indeed. So, thank you very much, guys, for sending in your audio clips and and thoughts on whatever sh social channel um, ticks your ticks your box. We'll be getting some on Snapchat soon. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. So I think overall, unanimously, Dalek is a great modern Dalek story uh, and possibly one of Eccleston's best. I was just thinking how many great... He actually did have some really good stories, considering he only done one series. Yeah. It, there's some really good stuff in there, you know, Yeah. when you think about it. And Absolutely. 
yeah, this is right up there. And I think it's oft- he's often overlooked as well. I think he shares that space with McGann. Yeah. And I think in terms of, I'm not talking about big finish now. I'm talking about just literally on screen. I think McGann is overlooked as a, fan- a phenomenal doctor. And I think he has that... I was going to say fantastic again. I know, it's hard not to, isn't it? Um, And I think uh, Eggleston shares that a little bit, where he's such a great doctor, but he gets overlooked quite a lot. But There we go. Maybe he'll come up on Big Finish one one year. Hmm. That'd be good. Uh, So we've got a very interesting story to review next week, haven't we? Oh, yes. This one's going to be uh, a very quirky interesting review to say the least what are we doing next week mate i'm very much looking forward <laughs> to this uh, next week we're doing the seventh doctor story delta and the bannermen delta yeah so we're off to the holiday camp i can't <laughs> wait <laughs> so um i think in terms of uh sylvester mccoy stories mm-hmm. um i think we're very very looking forward to very much looking forward to your views on this one yeah, listeners. So please, uh, when you see the Facebook post or Twitter, whatever it is you want, just jump on and tell us what you think of that one. Be very interested to hear mm-hmm. your thoughts on Delta and the Bannerman. Yes. And I think we're going to wrap for 75 there, buddy. Okay. Oh, sorry, dancing away there. We always start, that's what I was laughing at when we started the podcast, is because me and Gary always dance like loons uh, at the beginning of the show and the end. We do. Yeah. Almost like uh, an ood that's gone rabid. There's an ood, loose, I bet this use. There's an ood on the loo. <laughs> so that's episode 75. Uh, thank you very much for sticking with us. Um, so we'd like to hear your thoughts on the whole Moffat, Jibnall thing. Um, to just jump on Facebook or Twitter and let us know because um, I think that's going to be um, a subject that's going to be up for discussion a lot over the next year year and a half um, oh, yes. a as more time to absorb it haven't we yeah as more information comes through for that um, and as always when we hear stuff um, we will let you guys know um, and next week yes Delta and the Bannerman that's going to be a cracking one so uh, just look out for the Facebook post normally on a sunday or a monday night whichever or if facebook doesn't float your boat just use twitter or snapchat or instagram or whatever you like you know pigeon pigeon carrier whatever you like oh i was thinking is that an app i think (laughs) it's just a new one that i don't know about or just email us just good old-fashioned email if you like just send us a letter yeah oh no we haven't got an address um (laughs) email just hello at bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk that'll do yeah. So, yeah, speaking of the website, jump over there. You can listen to all the previous episodes. Uh, bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can also jump off and subscribe on iTunes and such wonderful stuff. And uh, speaking of iTunes and stuff, if you could give us a review in iTunes, that would be fantastic. Uh, also, check out Adam's channel on Facebook and YouTube, The Geek's Handbag. The Geek's Handbag. The famous Geek's Handbag. Yeah. Um, so, the latest video very very yes. cool yeah it took me a while to get it out but uh, yeah it's uh, uh hopefully it was worth the wait the peterborough event it's a good one that movie fest right the yeah tv movie fest yeah, yeah. and john levine <laughs> <laughs> giving me a very uh, he, he said about doing this video for me i was like yeah brilliant um 
and I've never got much memory on my phone. And as he was going, it went on longer than I thought. And all I could think of, this is going to cut out any minute. <laughs> <laughs> I managed to get most of it in the last few seconds. But yeah, cool. Next week, I've, uh, no, not this week. Next week, got a um, fantastic, and it is a fantastic um, unboxing video of the fantastic collection of Titans. Oh, sweet. Uh, yeah, but I've got, got a few of them. Um, so I've just uh, unboxed them and... Yeah, Adam's in that set. You'll have to tune in to see if I manage to get that collector oh, right, okay. figure. Nice one. So check out the Geek's Handbag. Plenty uh, of stuff. Friday, yeah. So, buddy, until next week, my name's Gary. Uh, my name's Adam. And remember... Uh, uh, Lossie! Lossie. <laughs>